We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Play action fake as Flacco drifts right, throws, and he's got Cooper open. He caught it. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. I don't believe it. Third down at 15. He's got the snap. He's also got pressure. He's throwing, and Joku caught it, and he's got a first down. He's to the 35, 30, 25. He's down near the 20-yard line. Oh, what a play. Fields back to pass. Up in the pocket. He rolls left. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to your mailbag edition, week 15 into week 16 mailbag edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm here with Andrew Spade, as usual. You guys have sent over some great questions that we're excited to answer. I did want to do something here before we start, sort of built around the future of where this podcast is going. So there have been a lot of you guys uh, that are pretty loyal listeners, right? The the uh, the backbone of what I try to do here before Andrew and now with Andrew is kind of built around how many of you are listening and what you enjoy the most, right? That's kind of, that's always been the goal. When I started doing a podcast back in like 2018, I had no idea where it was going, hated my own voice, didn't really think I was good enough at it, did it once a week for a long time. And then in 2020, I kind of, uh, sorry, heading into 21, 2021, decided that this is something that I think you guys enjoy. I think maybe doing something every day would be beneficial. So then it's finding a schedule, putting out content you guys can digest and enjoy. The goal for me has always been to make you sound like a smarter Browns fan and teach you something about football. I think we've done that. I've tried my hardest to do that. And like I said, I think we've done that. And I think we've brought great voices into this, both voices you know and voices you don't know. I think. Andrew has been a great addition to what we do. I've seen him grow uh, as a part of this show and become better and better at it. And uh, like I said, many, many smart people, John Colosimo, have, you know, people that have done this with me for a long time. I've tried to bring you guys a, an understanding and, 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 and enrichment to make 
at the end of the day, kind of the biggest goal is to make your Browns fan experience more enjoyable, right? We've tried to do that. The future of where the podcast goes is a little different, right? I think that we can all look around the market and see that uh, advertising is harder and harder, right? I mean, conversion of advertisements, companies getting tighter and tighter. Um, it's it's a real thing. And I'm at a crossroads for where to take this, what to do with this. And, and a lot of what we want to do here is continue to provide unparalleled audio content for you to deliver to you however you want it whenever you want it in a fashion that is easy to get easy to acquire but with that element and the time commitment that comes with it is the financial side something i don't like to talk about all too often and something i don't like to deal with but it is a reality of what has to happen we had a loyal listener a guy that i would recommend following uh, evan dawson reached out okay great guy you can follow Evan at Evan Dawson on, on Twitter, and he's um, a, good, a great fan voice. I think he does a, a nice job, great conversation, great banter. And he threw this question over, um, really, really a challenge. But but again, I want to kind of be, be careful around this, guys. He said, I work in public radio. Evan said, I'm accustomed to asking our audience to support what we do with their dollars. And yet 90% of public radio listeners are not financial supporters. I suspect the number is at least that high for your podcast listeners. So I want to send an, an additional $100 beyond my subscription. Please tell me how to do it and let me challenge your pod listeners to match my $100. Or if times are tighter, $50. The question is, how do we send any additional one-time contribution? So, you know, what I've noticed is over the years, we're, we're back up over a million downloads, uh, well over it. We've grown in a year. I think a million downloads is something I never imagined that we could do in a year. And those are unique downloads, right? Those aren't downloads that are sitting unlistened. Those are you guys listening. There are 90,000 people in a year's time that have listened to this podcast. Now, I can't say 90,000 listen to this show every single day, but I can I can admit at least a core portion of that is committed to this and is a big part of the fan base for the OBR film breakdown. I think what I would like to do is customize this experience for you guys over time. We're not jumping into anything right this second. We're going to get there, trying to deliver a unique content schedule. What I am going to do is ask you, and uh, I, I don't always love to do this, but I'm not apologizing for it, right, is uh, the ability to join us and subscribe with us because I want to take what I think is a unique amount of content and put it in a place that is that a, that a group of people have access to and formulate a community, right? So... That would be my goal, right? I, I think that, again, when you do this and you have a company backing you, and I think Blue Wire is a great company, there are just challenges in the industry. I want to keep this going in a way that is sustainable for my, myself, my time commitment, and my family, and the same for Andrew, in a way that, again, makes this content enhance your Browns experience. So in the coming weeks, we are going to be submitting this podcast into a subscription formula okay that's something we want to do again probably in the coming weeks is when you'll see that launch but what we want to do here is provide a platform for the uh, entertainment for you guys right for the consumption of content to enhance your brown's experience and i think ultimately turn this into an even bigger better platform where the money that you guys provide as a part of what you give us makes the show better, the content better, the equipment better, 
all of it. That's the goal. I think a um, ad-free experience, customizational for you guys, with a unique amount of content angles, including the draft, everything you need around free agency, team building, conversations, all of it available for you. But you ultimately want to support somebody you think is good at it and you think that you can formulate some sort of relationship with as a, a, a listener, reader, all of the above. And that's the goal here, right? Evan's offering to send $100. It makes me uncomfortable at heart. I'm going to be honest. Right. It makes me uncomfortable to even consider asking people for money. It's just never been my thing. But I think as you commit to doing this as often as we are here, uh, there is a fiscal side of this that you can't ignore. And, and, I, and I really hope that you can um, find a way to continue to support this show. I am asking for a little bit different style of support. Uh, at this time, you know, Evan's obviously offering to send over some money. I'm not uh, I'm not obviously demanding anybody do that or asking for that in the form of like, um, you know, a right now thing. We're going to get the subscription tier going. We'll look at how we use it. Uh, we'll get there eventually. But for now, if you if some of you are inclined to do exactly what Evan is uh, is, is asking, I will attach a Venmo. If you would like to support the show in some way this holiday season beyond the normal download subscription that you're doing. Uh, it's at Jacob dash Burns dash 18. Uh, there are some cash app things. I will put those things in there if you want to, again, there's no pressure there. It'll be the same with the uh, subscription, right? But what we're trying to do is build formulated community, uh, driven around those hungry for Brown's content in a way that en enhances your experience. And I think we're doing that. So, uh, it's not like the show's going anywhere completely, right? It's not disappearing. But I do want to illuminate that it is going to be in a different location before long and that it will obviously uh, be headed in some unique and different and I think ultimately much better uh, directions. And, and it'll be the best, I think, the best audio thing you can get on the Cleveland Browns. I mean, Cleveland Browns Daily is in the building. I'm not in the building, but I try to give you insights that I don't even think are coming out of Berea at times. And I think we deliver on that. And I hope you guys enjoy. And if there are 90,000 of you within a year and well over a million downloads, that tells me you guys enjoy it. So let's formulate a discord community, a whole bunch of different things that can make this Brown's experience better. Right? So I just wanted to lead off with that. Uh, and again, I will put in the description of this podcast places you can donate to this pod. If you feel so inclined, we would obviously be, you know, extremely thankful if you want to do that that would help uh, but i want to get to the point that we can do something that's subscription driven and you get something out of it right you feel involved and you're getting the type of brown's content that you want so that is my goal and we will continue to update you on the coming weeks when that official leap is made might be right around playoff time might be before it exciting opportunities the next two games i know andrew and i are pumped to talk about it today and Again, it's a thing that makes my skin crawl talking about. Andrew knows this about me. He knows how much I hate dealing with money, talking about money. But I think if we want the show to be what you guys ultimately want it to be, which is curtailed to your um, ultimate Browns fan experience, the, the, the ability to do so would be driven by you guys in a way that I hope you find helpful. Okay? So um, a lot can come from, from that sort of uh, different experience than – uh, the traditional route to get your podcast. If we go to say 
a uh, Patreon or, or somewhere like a Substack, right? That's, that's the ultimate goal to get to that place because then we have direct connection with you and we can formulate something that you think is worth your time, energy, and ultimately your most important part of living, which is your money. And I hope we can do that for you. So open to any and all feedback. DMs are always open for myself. You can, you can reach out to me, talk to me, tell me what you think. More, more than happy to hear it. Um, but, but I think that this direct to you experience is ultimately where this podcast is heading. And I hope you can support that. So, um, Andrew, I welcome you in, man. We're going to, we're going to dive into this, but, uh, obviously want to, um, you know, make sure that, that, uh, that folks know Andrew is going to be heavily involved in, in what we do in the future here. And I think it's, it's the, it's the most wise decision we can make for the show. Yeah. Thanks Jake for all of the kind words. And obviously thank you to Evan Dawson for that very, uh, generous offer. Um, and and for sort of opening that conversation, because it's, you know, I think in all candor, something that Jake and I have talked about privately, but you don't, it's, it's, I'll say this, it's very uh, flattering and validating to have somebody reach out and say, you know, and Evan gets it right. He works in public radio to say that he knows that specific struggle because there is sometimes, I think Jake, you, you, you spoke to it very, very well. There's a gap between what the podcast generates and what it takes to produce it. I know firsthand the work that Jake is putting in on this thing. It means late nights often. It means scheduling podcast recordings when there's two or three other things happening at the same time that demand attention. Jake's got kids. It's, it's, it's hectic. So to keep up with a daily schedule for a long time is I think an immense credit to, to Jake's work ethic and his dedication to providing this sort of quality content to everybody. I'm obviously thrilled and honored to have gotten to join this year and, and do more and more to the point where, you know, I think it's a sort of a official unofficial co-host capacity. And, and I look forward to, to talking with Jake and then by extension with all of you as often as we do, I, I'm the first thing I thought on Sunday after that, after Darnell Mooney dropped that Hail Mary was, I can't wait to talk about this with Jake. That that's, that's the honest truth. So I I think that that pleasure, that enjoyment that, that we get out of chopping it up about the Browns. I hope that comes through your speakers when you're listening. And I hope that you feel that it's a two-way conversation. We're doing the mailbags every week. I think it facilitates that. I know that a a lot of people, even when there's not a mailbag are, are sending us feedback or, sending us jokes. There's a, there's a great two-way communication through Twitter. There's, as Jake mentioned, ways we can do that even better. And we want to do that even better because that is the goal here is to have it be a community rather than just two guys kind of shouting into the void because no, that's, that's hard to think about. But if I, if I imagine everybody listening to this and and that it's a conversation that I can get excited about. So I, I, yeah, I, I'm just very feeling very grateful and like I said, I really want to thank uh, Jake and obviously want to thank Evan for that offer. Um, I'll, I'll drop my Venmo too for what it's worth. My, my Venmo is uh, at AK Spade. Uh, that's A as in Andrew, K as in kind. And then my last name, which is S-P-A-Y-D-E. Uh, but like Jake said, it'll be in the podcast description. I, I And I'll just say thank you. I, I won't even say thank you f- to anybody that might be moved to donate. I'll say Thank you to everybody who listens, because it really does, seeing the numbers of, of listeners, the people who are engaged on a week-to-week basis really does validate the work that we're doing. 
Right on. I think, again, it is. there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack, and there's a lot that we will get information over to you guys on. But but the biggest thing is like a lot more interactivity is the goal, right? The ability to call in to the show. We want to add that addition to have you get your voice heard, right? We want to do some different watch parties. We want to do some unique subscription-only stuff so that when you're talking to your family, when you're talking to your coworkers, you have an identifiable thing to say, I know more about the Browns than you do, because that's cool. Like ultimately being the smartest person in the room, I think is kind of cool, right? In a direct or indirect way, you should want to know. I mean, for me as a fan, if I'm watching, say, the Guardians or I'm watching the the Cavaliers, Andrew, like I want to know the process driven things. I don't want to just sit there and yell at the TV or yell at Twitter or whatever. I want to understand it from a nuanced angle. And I hope that we get those of you who like to do that with the Browns because the football is the ultimate nuanced sport. There are, there are 22 guys doing different things on a snap and we're not perfect. You know, we're not, we're not perfect here, but we try to give you as, as much knowledge as, as, as we know uh, in a way that helps you understand what happened on Sundays and what happened with the decisions they're making. So, um, yeah, we've covered it. We talked about it. I've I've been thinking about doing this podcast intro for a long time now. Um, you know, and and again, take from it what you will. It doesn't make you a bad person or anything. If you don't want to give money, it doesn't make you. Uh, if you're listening to this and you you don't want to subscribe, I totally get it. Every dollar is valuable in everybody's life. I I totally understand. There's still going to be like a couple pods a week that we'll get out uh, on a free uh, basis. But if you love this show, like I think a lot of you love this show, and I think there are not hundreds but thousands of you that love this show, then let's formulate a pretty cool community. I'm not going to ask crazy things from people, but I think that there's a level of time, commitment, energy put into it that I think that we need to see, um, you know, just a way to make that enhanced for you guys. And I think this is a way that could do that. So hopefully you're on board. And again, DMs are open. Any questions about this or whatever, feel free to, to, to tell me whatever. If you think I'm an idiot, if you think it's a great idea, whatever it is, ultimately appreciate you guys a ton we we should do andrew before we get going on this episode um and taking questions the um the piece of information that come out today which is huge man cj stroud right like yeah. multiple sources close to the situation aaron wilson who's got a huge voice connection in the houston area down there it seems like they're saying he's likely to be out sunday this would be the single biggest schedule break the browns could have we're looking at this we talked about this andrew from like um, you know, I don't know, before the West Coast road trip about kind of counting games before they happen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of looking ahead at the schedule and the, and the Texans game was one that we looked at and we're like, that's going to be brutal because they've been playing so well. But when you get up to these games, you never know what's going to happen because teams could be in different injury situations than they were when you previously thought about it. This situation with the quarterback, the situation with your standing, right? All of that stuff, all of it could add up, right? So I think with Stroud, obviously, we all want to see him healthy. He's a great, great football player. Anytime a concussion lingers into the second week, that's scary. We've seen it with Marquise Goodwin this year. I think we've seen it with Denzel Ward over the years, right, where these things linger. You never want that for him. Um, but as far as a Browns lens, this uh, facing Case Keenum would be about as big as a schedule break I could think they could have. Could, is there something else? Is there another game I'm missing off the top of my head? Maybe the Clayton Toon start, Andrew, but – yeah, uh, that's I think against an inferior opponent, not in the type right. of schedule moment that we're looking at right here. But and yeah, I mean, for yeah. sure, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, reaction to that is, is, is I don't 
nothing's definitive. Stroud could come into the to the office on Wednesday and feel great, and he gets out of it, and, and it doesn't impact the end of the week. But the the, te- the Texans did sign uh, Tim Boyle today, I think, as another That's quarterback. Right. So there, the there's a serious um, to the practice squad. There's a serious belief here that from the Texans side too, or they wouldn't have done this, that he might, might, might not be suiting up this weekend. And we're getting a bunch of unlikelies. And we saw the line shift from the Texans laying two and a half to now the Browns laying a point and a half or something like that. It happened very quickly. So there seemed to be a lot of connecting opinions to this. So uh, instant reaction from you, Mr. Spade. Yeah. I mean, the first thing it's I'll echo what you said, you you're concerned for the kid because he's been the most electric rookie of the year, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not a Houston Texans fan, but I, like watching CJ Stroud play football. So I, I want more of those players in the league. It's like what happened earlier in the season with Anthony Richardson. It's a shame because these guys are good for the game. And we, we've we seen so many quarterbacks get hurt this year that it, it, it impacts the quality of the sport. And ultimately you end up watching a lesser product on a week in week out basis. So um, number one is you want people to be healthy. And then beyond that, from a Browns perspective, it does obviously change things because not only is it not C.J. Stroud, I know that Case Keenum just beat the Titans on the road, and that was, a, a I think, a, a pretty gutsy team win overall for Houston there to, to do that mm-hmm. when the other team's wearing your old uniforms. It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty big statement win for them, I think, in terms of finding a way. We talk about that a lot with the Browns this year. I think the, the Texans did that, but there's no doubt that it's a it's a step up in in challenge for them the Browns defense what the Browns defense can do especially to a quarterback that has the obvious limitations that Case Keenum does so it it's yeah it's not just that it's not CJ Stroud potentially it's that it would be Case Keenum who is I think a I think you would agree with me Jake a uh, probably below average backup at this point has, yeah, we've, has, we've seen Case up close and personal yeah. here in Cleveland. We know the right. limitations, right, and, and all, mm-hmm. all of that. So, yeah, it would be yeah. it would be it, a big. It changes the scope of the game significantly. I think the the line probably hasn't even finished moving. I think it to me it seems like it should settle out to Browns minus two, minus three, somewhere in there because because if you, these teams are playing on a neutral field, the Browns are favored. There's no doubt about that. So, um, it, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a big change, and it changes the opportunity ahead of them. We talked previously about that it would be preferable to be the five seed if you're going to be a wild card team. This would really help winning this game with the two they've got left, with the Jets now being eliminated, the Bengals potentially being eliminated by week 18. You could have a pretty easy... I'm knocking on as much wood as I can find around me in my office you could have a pretty easy road in after this one. If you can get this done, you're sitting at 10 wins with two games left to go against teams that might not have anything to play for. It's not what we were looking at, as you said, Jake, uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, there's always the worry about the road, how they handle that, right? You don't also love a team with the nobody believes in this stuff here. <laughs> Caveat, I you know how much I think that matters in the NFL. Um, but looking at how the Browns have played this year on the road and who they played against, so you eliminate the first few weeks of the season. You look at road games. I mean, Gardner Minshew, I think, is a far superior quarterback to Case Keenum in terms of what they do with the Colts, how they operate. You go on the road, you face Geno Smith. Wasn't playing that great, but still is playing fine. You go on the road and face Lamar Jackson. You go on the road and face Russell Wilson on the road to face Matt Stafford. They have not gone on the road. Now, they have at home Tannehill, 
beat up Joe Burrow, really beat up, not himself. Um, Brock Purdy, just kidding. Just kidding about that one. I guess that guy's going to win MVP. Um, <laughs> Clayton Toon is uh, another home quarterback. Again, he faced Kenny Pickett. Kind of the Kenny Pickett corpse at that point. They haven't faced a bad quarterback like this on the road. And, I, and I'm not, you know, all the respect in the world to Case Keenum. He's, he was great when he was here. Stefanski talked about that. He was actually asked uh, specifically about Case, you know, and how much he, he, he adores him. And, you know, those guys were together in Minnesota for huge moments, right? And he brought him to Cleveland specifically for a reason. And um, you know, I'm not trying to knock Case, but it's, it's just clear where he is at this point in his career. But that's not to say the Texans can't find a way to win. So there's still a – I mean, there's a very real challenge here that is still in place. But from what this game looked like weeks ago, just a couple weeks ago, before the Jets game, because the Jets game is where you get starting to get their doors blown off. The Texans are looking really good with CJ. The offense was still humming. So it's a big break. We will obviously keep you in the loop about this, and we will hear from more people around the organization, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll see what CJ looks like the rest of the way. But that's a big piece of news. Otherwise, on the uh, home front, the Browns, I just want to keep you apprised to all the news. They signed Chris Williams, who's a defensive tackle. He comes into the practice squad, and it's kind of an interesting thing. He's coming into the practice squad because immediately Tommy Togiai signs. Uh, we get news he signed with the active roster for the Atlanta Falcons, right? So. Togiai goes to Atlanta. They replace him on the practice squad. Chris Williams comes over. He was a UDFA out of Wagner originally. Goes to the Colts in 2020. Uh, Across 21 and 22, he played 13 games. Didn't play a ton of snaps. So he only played uh, in uh, in that stretch of time. He only played like 100 snaps, even though he was on the roster and all that stuff. Didn't generate a ton of pressure. He played in the preseason. Uh, last year for the, the sorry this year for the Chiefs he had 222 preseason snaps for the Chiefs he's on their practice squad he had eight pressures nine tackles five stop tackles long arms decent athlete don't think he's going to make the 53 man unless you know again knock on a severe amount of wood I should why am I saying that he he, he could be on the on the active roster by the end of the week but yeah I don't envision him um, if the status quo stays the same uh, finding himself onto the Browns roster but uh, hard to after, imagine the Browns having injury issues right could not be me, right? Couldn't 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 think of that uh, happening. Couldn't couldn't be a reality. But no, I hope not. But he seems like he's got some parts of his game. He's got a quick swim move. But uh, Togiai's gone, right? So second time Togiai's left, he gets to sign with an active roster instead. He went to Jacksonville's practice squad uh, originally this year. But that's the only other piece of news. I think we should dive into the mailbag. What do you say? Let's do it, man. Okay, let's do it. First question: We always start offense, defense, because you know me. I think offense is the most important thing in the world. Uh, comes from Mason. What do you think of the Browns' pass catchers? Am I wrong to feel good about the room? It may not have the firepower of the Dolphins or Bengals, but I feel like it's a very complimentary group from top to bottom. I feel like that's the thing we've been like riding the roller coaster on all year, Andrew. What's your For What's sure. your immediate reaction to that? I think it's several tiers below the better rooms in the league. Myself, I, I think Amari Cooper is really keeping things afloat. Um. I I struggle just with the the lack of explosiveness. I think is probably the best way to say it. When Flacco found Marquise Goodwin, it felt totally foreign to see a ball travel that far in the air and be caught. And I know that that's not the most common thing in the world for other teams, but it's certainly more common than it is here. And then you start talking about the yards after the catch piece, which is also missing. I'm it's not that I dislike the receiver group, and I think the point about complementary skill sets is well taken, and that that is true. It's what it's 
well-constructed for what it is, but I think if you compare it to the more productive rooms in the league and how easy those wide receiver groups make quarterback play, I, I don't really think the Browns are in that category. I think they're perfectly average. I think I, that's how I'd say they could do worse with this this current structure, uh, but they could do better, right? They're kind of perfectly average. They they can make some plays. Amari and 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 Njoku are they're good players. They're they're good players, and obviously, you know, you're getting more from Elijah as they filled out his role, and Cedric Tillman getting more exposure, more time is getting I think a little better. Even though last week he still had some serious blunders, but yeah, I mean David Bell is a rotation. I think it's about like as average as it gets. But again, you can do worse here. But there's no problem with striving to do better. So we appreciate the question, Mason. Next question uh, is, why do some quarterbacks perform well in Kevin's offense while others seem to struggle? Jacoby and Flacco exceeded expectations when playing in Kevin's offense, but Watson was not playing like his Houston days and Baker's playing better than ever in Rams and now Bucks jersey. I'm going to push back on that, Cheyenne. I, I, I think Baker was not as good as you think he was with the Rams. He's having a nice year. And credit to Baker. You know, I really want him to find success and, you know, I, I do. I genuinely, there's no animosity there. I hope he, I hope he finds success. I hope someone gives him a better contract than the Bucks did this year. He's putting himself in that position. Baker played really well in 2020. We, we can't forget that. The problem was how he handled things in a crucial year in 2021 when everything was on the line and the Browns needed to place the ultimate trust in him to be the guy to lead their offense, right? But we can't ignore that Baker played well with Kevin's offense. I think there's a disconnect between Watson and the offense here, how it is best structured for him. We've talked about this way too much, and we'll talk about it way too much in the offseason, Andrew, but I just kind of want to remind people that it's not like I understand Flacco's playing pretty well here, but it's not foreign. Most of Kevin's quarterbacks have played pretty well for him, but I, I am open to being told I'm wrong about that. No, I think that's right. I think the one thing that you see is that at times, quarterbacks that struggle to process what they're seeing can struggle in Stefanski's offense because, as I think we've talked about before, Jake, Kevin doesn't want really to dumb the offense down. He wants the quarterback to operate. He he believes, very clearly, he believes that the quarterback needs to have a lot on their plate, and that's part of the responsibility of playing the position. He has a ton of confidence in his guys, and then mm -hmm. he expects a lot from them. So there, obviously, you know, the play-action stuff, the run game does take some of the the decision making off of the quarterback's plate, but when the Browns quarterbacks drop back, they are being asked to diagnose, to read out more complicated routes than some teams in the league. So I think what you saw with Mayfield is I, I think we can have a conversation about why, but a, a player that was not seeing the field as well. And I think that's also true with Watson this year whether you use the word rust or being away from the game, away from game speed too long, things were speeding up for both of those quarterbacks in a way that made it feel like they weren't able to properly read out a play. So what Joe Flacco has done is bring the veteran understanding of both defenses and what Stefanski is trying to do on offense. And then the poise that comes with that, knowing that he's probably going to be able to find an answer and for the most part, he has gotten there. I, I think we talked the other day about in the first half, there were open receivers that he wasn't seeing at times. And then he got to a place in the, of comfort in the fourth quarter. Or I don't know, did you, did you read that uh, piece in, in uh, on Sports Illustrated from Albert Breer that he, where he talked to Flacco? 
I did not. Not yet. He made it sound like he basically gets to a point in the fourth quarter where he's like, well, it's the fourth quarter, so I might as well go ahead and make this throw. Like <laughs> that Cooper ball, I think, is the example of that, right? Where his his quote, I, I, I don't have the quote in front of me, but it essentially was like, at this point, you have to have that throw, so I'm making that throw. So even if it's kind of a no, 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 yes type throw, it yeah, three minutes left. You got to try right. to sling that thing. You got to push it, and so he embraces that in a way that I think we've seen Mayfield and Watson at times shy away from. Yeah, in terms of trying to avoid the killer mistake to their detriment at times. Same with Jacoby. What are they going to do? Bench me? He's exactly. suspended, right? <laughs> so yeah, there's there's um. With those two guys, there's less of a pressure. To, I think that's a great point. I mean, Flacco's like, you know, what are they, again, are you gonna are you gonna bench me? I've seen who else you're playing. You, it's not it's not a thing. I just yeah, the, the pressure element I think is is a very fa- fair thing to say. So I, I like it. Um, good good answer there. All right, what uh, shoes fifty four? Sup shoes? Asked what creative things. Would you guys try to get anything positive out of the run game? I think we answered this yesterday. If you did not listen to the most recent What We Learned podcast, uh, we kind of broke this down. I think they need to defeat every tendency they have, right? They're trying to do some different things, going to the weak side and wide zone, uh, doing some uh, toss stuff out of the gun instead of having him work across the quarterback's face. I think they should be doing influence things, right? Double traps, even borderline crunch, which is triple trap stuff moving linemen opposite the direction the ball carrier is going, having an influence. They did a great, some of their best runs in this game against the bears were when they ran wide zone with a, um, what I call, you know, a sift tight end or a sift wide receiver who's working behind the line of scrimmage opposite the run direction to create a second level disruption in case they bootlegged and threw it to him or he blocked the backside end. They need to create eye manipulation at the snap motion at the snap. Stop running the football the direction of the motion guy you're you're, you're uh, using. Run away from that. Try to hold down second level players because those are the guys tackles on your roster. Backup guards are not good at getting at. So hopefully we've answered that for you now. Next one is Dave. Not really a question, but Stefanski's basically schemed for four different, very different quarterbacks, almost producing four distinct offenses. I'm so impressed with this flexibility. He's coaching for now, but also building an impressive database of offense for the future. I haven't thought of it that way, Andrew, what Dave is saying there. I think that this is um, this is kind of true. I mean, I know stylistically DTR and, and Watson are similar guys, even PJ at times, because PJ can run a little bit. Um, I think that Kevin's been pushed out of his comfort zone this year. Has he been good enough at being outside that comfort zone? I don't know. I think that's that's certainly up for debate. I thought the shotgun play action stuff was awesome on Sunday. And I'm like, that stuff right there is what Watson handles really well. Those are things he handles really well. So I know we've been hard on him about his inability to adapt the offense by bringing in different voices and things of that nature. Andrew, but he has done things this year that have been, if you showed me, Hey Jake, here's what the offense is going to look like in three years back in 2020. I'd be like, Oh, I don't really see that coming to fruition. So he gets some credit there. I think there's definitely some credit there. There's yeah. no solution needed. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they can chase that, but um, he does deserve some credit there. So I want to make sure to give him that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think bre- breaking apart this offense this offseason is going to be so tricky because the results have been really, really, from a statistical standpoint, really poor. But we all understand the mitigating circumstances. So how you break that apart 
and which pieces of that you want to trust versus which pieces of that you think would be different if everybody's healthy. I, I think that will be, it, it almost makes it, I don't think we, <laughs> we're not in the business of <laughs> throwing it away and not talking about 2023 once we get to February, but it'll, it almost will feel like that's necessary because it's how do you take big lessons away from what has happened this year? Because it has been, it's been a lot. It's been, it's been so much and it hasn't, I think there's a lot of stuff that has happened this year, as Dave points out, that is about winning this week, not about what type of team they want to become. You also have to understand too, they in 22 dealt with the same sort of things. It was different because it was a suspension, not an injury, but right. Watson's going to miss like the same number. Did he play six games this year? It's going to be almost the same number of games played. No, so it's less this year than last year. It's hard to get better at something unless you get reps at it as right. a play caller and a quarterback. And then yeah. you're, that's one of the things that you and I, when we initially discussed the Watson injury, we were the most disappointed about mm-hmm. is building. And I'm sure Colts fans are excited about Steichen, like watching the, watching the Eagles recently. And it's pretty clear yeah. like, what's missing there. Yeah. But there's just the reps of getting in there with Richardson and doing that that matters. So, and you know. It- gives you concern for the future with Watson because if he doesn't change his play style this is true. this is a road the Browns might travel down again next year and I don't I'm not trying to worry about 24 when 23 is still kicking but it that will be one of the key conversations this offseason is how do the Browns handle the quarterback position apart from Deshaun Watson because I think you almost have to plan for him missing some portion of the season due to his play style yeah, he should stop running into people. That'd be a good. That's great advice. advice. Yep. All right. Next question comes from uh, a dog. What up, a dog? I'm curious. I'm again. I'm using your guys' Twitter handles. If you if you have uh, DMs or different things, I, I, I feel free to use your first name. Sounds a little better, but we'll go with what we have. Curious your opinion on this. It seemed to me by my untrained eye that the Bears played a different, a bit different on defense after the bomb to Goodwin. Am I imagining this or did your film study show that too? He said he hadn't got through the whole thing yet. I don't think they were as aggressive playing forward from the safety level. They played a lot more deeper cover too, uh, but they were certainly not like that play. Jaquan Brisker was cheating to the boundary side. He was playing down. They're playing cover four and it left Eddie Jackson on an island with Goodwin. And that is a lot of fun because I, I like, I think Eddie's had a great career, but he's not quite the athlete he used to be. And Brisker didn't wasn't able to run underneath it, and 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 from the from the you know uh, boundary safety position, and from there the safeties were less involved and opened up some second level stuff. And if you watch the first play of that final drive, right, the safety and corner both chase Goodwin on his deep route, his clown route, which is to the sideline, the deepest part of the flood, and nobody's there on a joke. It's a thirty-one yard catch and run. So, yeah. That's why you hit big explosive plays because guess guess who feels the most mental burden when you hit big explosive plays? Those DBs who they let get the football get behind them. So that's why you sign a guy like Goodwin, and that's what we've all been sort of like hankering for here is that sort of uh, impact. So good stuff there. Yeah, nothing I can add on that. That's that that nails it. And I think I guess I, there's one thing I'll add, which is that they did a great job of scheming up the blocking on that Goodwin pass to allow it time to develop with yep. pulling the guard in pass protection. Joe Flacco it, play action shotgun, creating, moving the pocket. Like what? There you go. I mean, that's, I think that's probably Chicago, not even like preparing for that either. Like right. 
right. are they doing? Like, why are they pulling the backside guard? Why is he booting out a gun? Like Kevin deserves. I thought that was his best called game of the year. Like I, I really do. The Seahawks game was good, but in the, in the crucial moments and like they were missing, Joe was just off for three quarters. He was missing yep. people that were open that he had the bears. Like he knew what they like. That's a good bears defense. That second level, the linebackers are tough. They're, they're probably a piece away in the secondary, but they're tough. And to have answers for your quarterback all day like that, and then put those in the fourth quarter out to play. It's like, whoo, that's the good stuff right there. And man. I, I, I've said this to you before. I continue to believe that he's got, aces up his sleeve that he holds on to until the fourth quarter yeah because he knows this defense is going to keep him within within in touch and so that goodwin bomb a few of those plays later on to me feel like they are waiting for that moment when they they have to have it and he's also listening to player input i'm sure, sure. there are, there are connections between joe and the guys with the tablets being like kevin we got to run this man and they're and they're doing it and they're calling him out for doing that and that's Again, that's the good stuff. That's what you want to hear. Very good stuff. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for all the fun you've had. So why would you go Game Time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket out for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive. 
Very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account. Redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com. It is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon, using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Um, good question on Flacco from Evan Dawson here, if you want to read that one, Andrew. Yeah, uh, there was some some talk about Flacco making the read on the Amari touchdown. You you, you t- talked about that, Jake. Um, one thing we often hear the quarterback say at the line is number so-and-so is the mic. Either the quarterback or the center will make that call. For those of us who didn't play, can you explain uh, why he's telling his teammates that and what identifying the mic is meant to accomplish? So identifying the mic is identifying where the pressure goes to if you notice you have five you know everybody knows this but i just want to remind you you have five offensive linemen so you're directing which direction they are either sliding or looking and on every play there's a responsibility to pick up the mic if he blitzes or um whatever comes of that and identifying him as a way to communicate this is where the pressure slides this is where we're moving and this is who's responsible so if the running back is responsible for mike blitz this is the number of the player that you are responsible for finding out, right? So it's been done forever. It'll be continued. It's a huge part of pass protection. Biggest thing in the world, guys, is pass protection. So that's the reason the mic is called out, so that everybody's on the same page about who's responsible for him and what way that moves our protection to alter anything we need to pick up at the line of scrimmage. So good question there. Next one is from David. He asks, is there any relevancy to Flacco not being, again, not being in the room throughout Watson's presence? I feel like especially DTR and PJ might have gained some preconceived influence on where to put the ball based on what they'd seen from Watson at practice and obviously games too. Flacco seems to throw the ball in generally different parts of the field most of the time. I imagine his own experience reads, et cetera, influence his decision-making too. But just curious if seeing it differently may have been um, uh, changed and, and kind of uh, been an influence on the team this whole season. So he's basically asking, is it helping these other quarterbacks to see things differently? Which we don't know, right? Because they haven't really played since Flacco's arrived all too much um, to, and, and seen him do a lot of different things. I mean, Flacco wasn't really getting reps with the ones until that LA week, right? But, um, you know, is it changed uh, helpful? Has it been a, a helpful change to the team? I think there's elements, Andrew, of this, like Joe throws a pretty catchable football. The tempo, like I'll give the thing I'll give him credit on is the tempo at which he throws is very nuanced. He doesn't have just a fastball. He's got a change up, right? He's not a flamethrower. And at times, young quarterbacks who are trying to DTR driven here, you know, trying to make every throw and the, the game's going fast. You, you tend to hurry up and throw. You can throw some bullets, man. I feel like Joe throws a very um and Amari I think Amari even said it the first time they got together on those West Coast practices that he just throws a beautiful football like that's a part of what Joe has always done in his career it's a, it's a very catchable ball I'll put it that and I do think he attacks he has no fear ripping into throws he throws into tight windows I think our own Cody Sook put out that he was six most tight window throws in the NFL since he's been playing he will throw those over the middle of the field tight window balls too. And it's clear he'll also give you some chances to go get a football downfield, right? Yeah, it's. I think so much of this comes back to him 
the level of veteran that Joe Flacco is versus we we talked about Deshaun Watson coming into this team as a veteran quarterback who has proven it. But when you compare their resumes, it's two different. The veteran is not the same word to describe both of them, right? So Joe Flacco has a a long career at this point. And I, I have said before that I think that his recent career story, moving around quite a bit, actually prepared him for this more than his success in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And I think that he, his adaptability has shown up. And then you talk about this, his arm talent and his understanding of what type of throw is needed for any particular throw, how to get the ball there the right way, not just how to get the ball there. And so I, I think all of that to me comes back to his, his experience and his comfort in discomfort. And that's something that he talked about, how bad he was feeling through the first three quarters and then being able to kind of shrug that off and go again in the fourth despite all of the adversity. So I think all of that veteran presence, which truly applies to a player that's been in the league as long as he's been in the league, differentiates himself certainly from P.J. Walker and Dorian Thompson-Robinson, but even from Deshaun Watson. And the, the truth is, Jake, there aren't that many quarterbacks that get to the stage that Joe Flacco is at. Mm-hmm. And the the probably the closest recent comparison is Tom Brady, as crazy as that is. Because it, it you don't get to the end of... I mean, so Ben Roethlisberger, for example, he basically played until he couldn't play anymore. There, It's not often that quarterbacks get to a point where they are still able to do the job, but are not getting job offers. Yeah. especially when they're that kind of a veteran. So it's a, it's a very unique situation with him. And I do think it's interesting that we've started to see some people asking the question, well, why didn't the Browns just go get Joe Flacco two years ago when they moved on from Baker Mayfield? And honestly, I I think it's a fair question to ask at this point. Not to say that the upside is ever going to be comparable, because I think we both know Jake, that even if Deshaun Watson never reaches his 2020-2019 level of performance, his upside is still greater than Joe Flacco's. But in terms of the the veteran presence and the the subtleties of his game, that's something that's has that's kind of been the secret sauce over the past three weeks. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You talk about those 38-year-old quarterbacks like like Philip Rivers, Drew Brees. Like their arms, Ben's too. Like their arms were fading; they were falling off. At exactly. The end. Tom's wasn't. He right. could still sling it. That's why I think that's the comparison. It it is um it is from an arm, and I think Joe's been surprisingly spry. He's gotten out of some situations that, if you watch Matt Ryan, Rivers, and some of these guys play in recent years, he's getting away from some of those. Now there's a limit to it, and Joe has to stop throwing it to the other team. That's the thing we have to also say here. Like, you know. <laughs> I like Flacco. He's done, he's done a nice job, but the advanced metrics are going to tell you a story that he's giving away a little too much as well here. But but yeah, I mean, generally, Joe is also doing things no one else has done. So there's give and take here. And you also would like to think that a time in the camp and preseason and regular season earlier in the year, he plays all of that. It's a little better. But yeah, it's I think that Flacco does some things in a way that that uh, are old school nostalgic quarterback stuff. The types of places he delivers the football and the tempo that I think Browns receivers are benefiting from. David's benefiting from. David does not handle flamethrowers very well. He'll drop some throws. 
uh, he is a really good fit with Joe. And again, Watson can do some of this stuff too. I think we get away from Watson. We get some recency bias here. He was rolling in that Baltimore game and they mm-hmm. played really well with him. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, you have to heal up the shoulder and see it all come together. But like, let's, <laughs> the thing I would tell everybody is let's just enjoy Joe and let's not compare or think too far into the future with this. <laughs> right. I think that that's something that we have to, uh, to try to do our, our best with. If we wishful can. thinking for 2000, Jake. Bingo. All right. Next yeah. questions on defense. So we switch over there. Uh, kind of a random question from Radby here. He says, but something I've noticed is, is uh, Jim Schwartz never has a play sheet in his hands. He was wondering if you guys could speak to this and why it doesn't seem to use one in game. I, I can it, answer this one, Jake. Yeah, he said it obviously just isn't something I've seen a lot. Thanks. Yeah, Jim Jim Schwartz does have a play sheet. It's a post-it note, and it just has in Sharpie "man" written on it, and he just yeah. it's it's taped to his hands. So you can't <laughs> see it because it's on his hand, but uh, it just says "man." Yeah, he for him personally, like to remind himself he's a man. Right? Exactly, it, it works he, on two levels. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I think he's. I'll say this: go read J- Jeremiah Wusukormo's quotes from the uh, from the Monday presser. They keep it simple. They keep it simple. And he has been calling the defense that he knows with the verbiage he's accustomed to for like 30 years here, large portions of the defense. So uh, what he's always wanted to do, right? 30 years is probably a bit much, but 20 at least. So like he's just knows it inside and out. And I think that they know their pressure packages and they're communicating how to get those things called in. But the first thing Schwartz told JOK when they met was, hey, man, this is going to be a simple defense. We're going to do the little things right, and it's going to be a simple defense. And if you're doing a lot of simple things on defense and you're just having a third down pressure package, you don't need to have a sheet in front of you. You don't, right? We want to go. And defensive play calls are a lot shorter. That's something else to know, like how they how they tag in these calls are quicker, shorter, and you don't really need it. So some defensive guys have it. I'm not surprised Schwartz doesn't have it. He's an old school type, and um, I think he just knows this stuff inside and out, and they keep it simple. They they keep it simple from a communication and call sheet standpoint. So that's all I have to add on that. Next one is from Jason, Browns-related question. Has Cam Mitchell shown enough aptitude and coverage in the slot to warrant more opportunity? Yes. If so, what does that mean for the cornerback trio? Nothing right now. Does it make sense uh, in the offseason to trade Greg? Can you have enough good corners? I think we. Uh, this is a great question, Jason. I think we're going to talk about that a lot in the off season. I I would only be inclined to trade Greg if the if the right deal presents itself because the having enough corners thing is is and especially because you're not like you're not dealing with Denzel who's not missed a game in three years, right? You know Martin's on a great you know pace here. We'll knock on wood on that one again. But they they between Greg and between um, Denzel. And even Cam, who's been on IR this year himself, they have dealt with injuries. So I I like having four guys a lot. Now, at some point, everybody wants their money. The Browns are going to keep drafting corners for that exact reason. But I am not opposed to a Greg Newsom trade if the right part comes back in return. Say like like a Jerry Judy, something like that comes to fruition in the offseason. Just keep that in mind. So, um you know, that, that, that's where I'll leave it. I don't know if you want to add to that, Andrew, but I, I think Mitchell has earned. He's, I mean, that play he made on Justin Fields on fourth and one. Incredible. Incredible. He covers adeptly. He tackles pretty well. Mm-hmm. I am going to be interested to see how he practices this week because I did notice a very specific play when watching Ronnie Hickman and DeAnthony Bell where he he was really weird about the shoulder when he landed one time. So 
We'll yeah. see. But I, I like him a lot. And I, I just I really like having four corners for the versatility yeah. and the injury element of this league that we're watching play out in front of us this year. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. I've said that for a long time. It's a good problem to have. And I don't think they're in a hurry to resolve it. Because you're not, you know, you're not solving a problem. I, I, I think the bigger question here, and we, we won't answer this now, but it's something we'll be talking a lot between whenever the season ends and free agency, is how aggressive are they going to be in reshaping the roster this offseason? I think that's, that's going to be one of the interesting questions that defines the offseason period for the Browns is, do they see the recipe for next year as get healthy and run it back? Or do they see even with the injuries, the opportunity to improve and, and juggle some of the starting pieces. Yeah, they're in their window. So whatever move they make is about a right now sort of angle. So again, good position to be in and you don't have to force anything, you know, you don't have to force anything. Next question from Warren. How um, was Siaka Ika in his first game action? Uh, I, I think again, his first time getting out on the field, I'm not sure, Andrew, if you had a chance to really consume all of the tape from that game, but um, on the defensive side, but but yeah. he's he, he's he's uneven, man. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he looks a little to me a little less fluffy, put it that way, uh, than his Baylor days. So uh, there's some encouraging element to that, but uh, I think you you start to the thing about playing defensive tackle in the NFL is you start to realize that you're going to be double teamed all the time and that's not a fun reality to live in like you you this is way more than a spaced out college schemes where you get a lot of one-on-ones you have to be able to absorb double teams without getting removed from your spot right he played 15 snaps i think that he the thing that siaka can do better than anything right now is is to eat up players in front of him and, and create piles because then you know running backs can't run through piles and if you can eat up two linemen in a pile, you have a chance to stop run game stuff on early down. So I, I'm, I'm encouraged. I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was, it was fine if he can again create chaos down near the ground that causes some of that run stuff to not have an alley to go through. You know what I mean? Because there's a difference between getting bullied ten yards downfield and dropping down and creating chaos down at the feet of running backs. You know what I mean? Definitely. I, I would just say, big picture, this front office wants to draft players with the idea that they are going to contribute for the full length of their contract and beyond. That's why they draft, they tend to draft younger players. And I think you'd look at a player like Alex, Wright. They tend to draft players that have not yet reached their ceiling. And I think you can talk about that approach when you are in, as you just mentioned on a different topic, a contention window, you can talk about the validity of that approach, but that's their approach. So the fact that Ika is not active all season, and then finally, by necessity, is used, and he looks very much like a developmental player, is a choice that they're making consciously. And it has benefits and costs. There are rookies that were drafted after Siaki Ika that are contributing for other NFL teams that are in the playoff hunt at similar positions, at other positions, etc. The Browns, and obviously the Browns have gotten contributions from other players they drafted after Siaki Ika. Dewan Jones, obviously, Cameron Mitchell, we just talked about. My my point is just that they are okay if a player doesn't play for them the first year. And so their expectations are probably lower for Ika and Isaiah Maguire than they are for some other players that they drafted in positions where they thought they might have to contribute more immediately. So I think it's very much a wait-and-see situation. And really, 
I think the tail will be what they do at defensive tackle this offseason and what sort of a role he's penciled in for next year. They dropped him into coverage a couple times. Well, fire zone, you know, throw throw one right into his belly. What do you think about that? I I think he would catch it. I actually do too. He's pretty he's pretty spry. He's pretty athletic. He yeah. he had some moments, man. He's got some powerful hands. And I thought he had some moments. I'm kind of rewatching his 15 snaps as Andrew was telling you guys some good stuff there. And, you know, he, he didn't make any plays because a lot of things didn't come directly at him. But I thought he he held his own. He was a part of the 11 in a good way. So, you know, PFF, take your grade and shove it to the moon. That's I may I have, have uh, mentioned this before, but it it's listeners should know that we are on a video call while we're recording this. And I can always tell when Jake is uh, elsewhere when I'm talking because he gets this far away look in his eyes and you Sounds can, like you can almost see the the players reflected in his glasses as uh, he's, uh, as he's watching film. So it's uh, I, that's when I know it's, he's not actually making the extended signal, you know, the, the stretch it out signal, but it, it's, he's almost, you know, inferring it by the way that he's sort yeah. of uh, staring off into the middle distance on his other monitor. I got to be careful with Kelby joke. She's on the show now. She's practically, running this thing so um that's not the first time i've heard that exact sentiment from you all right next question um can you ask followers to identify video clips of the most egregious examples of miles garrett being held then create a video compilation like odell's always open video you know that 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 one that people thought his dad made but he didn't make it worked uh we got to support national um you know, narrative with the film evidence. Yeah. If you guys want to send me clips, I'll throw them together. If you, if you, you cut them up, send them over, I'll throw them together. Or, or maybe even, I mean, I'm making more work for you, but maybe even just down and downs, specific downs. Yeah, we could do that. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the work plate is full. So if you guys want to help on that, we can do a team right. effort. Yeah. There. We, we need the play to be specified. <laughs> <laughs> we, we very much do. Based upon Kevin Stefanski's post game comments. This comes from Trent. A team wins the toss, chooses to receive. Do they get to make a decision after halftime which end zone they get to defend? So that's a good question. And Kevin specifically talked about this in the post game. Andrew, do you want to um, uh, illuminate us with what he said exactly? Yeah, he said uh, you get to make the decision in the second half in terms of which direction ultimately you want in that fourth quarter. Which okay. I believe what he's saying there is if you receive the ball, the other team def- chooses which side to defend so in the first half the browns received and the bears chose in the second half the bears received but the browns got to choose the win so they they took the wind or they gave the win for the third quarter so they could have it in the fourth quarter yeah because that that was a huge part of like hop was not liking one into the field so yeah that's and i think it's the first veteran kicker that the browns have had in a while and i think he's the first kicker that's had enough uh experience to be able to say where he wants to be with yeah. the wind he kind of knows it and can he has the authority it's like Flacco they they have the authority to tell the special teams coach or the, the head coach I need to be at this end of the field and then that it helps them adjust their strategy Cade York doesn't know he's not gonna think about yeah, if Cade did that they like he'd like shove his face away like a little brother like get away <laughs> precisely him, precisely yeah. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I also have to illuminate that Hopkins has been pretty much the best kicker in football this year. So it's incredible. It's, incredible. it's absolutely incredible, and a big part of why they're where they're at. It's a, it was it was a move that we didn't have a ton of faith was going to get done. If we mm-hmm. go back to August, I remember being on this podcast saying, "I don't think they make a move," and I am so glad I was wrong. I love to be wrong in situations like that. 
in your face, Warren Sharp. Next question. Chris asks, hey, question for the mailbag. Sorry, time, he said time zones mean I missed the, the tweet that goes out. He said, I think it's very interesting that Stefanski switched in the post game from his usual. We just went 1-0. Next week we're trying to going to try to go 1-0. Message to now saying they, uh, they, they have number nine. Now you got number nine in terms of their wins, right? And three more opportunities. Why do we think the messaging changed? And is this something he did in 2020 as well, or is it maybe growing as a coach? Early in the season, there's no point looking at records, but as you point toward the end of the season, you have to be crazy to to tell the players not to look at playoff scenarios. I get the question, Chris. I don't have the remembering uh, element here of 2020 on that. Um, I, I mean, my, my first inclination is, Andrew, it's not that deep. <laughs> like, I think that they are still living in a we-got-to-win-every-week element, but... I, I definitely do think that they know the number that they want to get to, which is 11 wins, which you and I have talked about at mm-hmm. length. And again, mm-hmm. we have to reiterate that they are not out of the division. Mm-hmm. They want to win the division. They need to get to 12. We've painted the picture for how they win these last three games and why they can win them. The Ravens have to lose two games that are very losable. Mm-hmm. So I just, again, want to remind people that they're playing for more than just the four seed. They're still playing. There's still hell, Andrew. There's still a chance they could be the one seed if things yes. all bounce the right direction. So, yep. like, like, I just want to remind everybody that they're not like looking at man, ten games. We're in the wild card. No, like they know that at the end of the year they want to get. I mean, it's a it's a landmark win. You, it's a winning season. Nine wins guarantees you a winning season. So that's great. I do imagine Kevin is covering the big picture with them. There's no way these guys see it. They all know it. They've covered it, and they have probably sat in the coaches' offices and uh, in the giant team meeting room and said 12 they're trying to get to 12 they're trying to get Definitely. every game the rest of the way and get to no 12 doubt. so that's probably why the message switched but i mean again i think they are very much living in a who's up this week world they're not chasing too far down the line here i wouldn't be worried about that the chemistry is stronger than it's ever been the buy-in to the vision is strong yeah. so yeah I, I think that you know in 2020 i don't think you were even allowed to have cameras in the locker rooms oh God, COVID year. yeah that was I, I think wild. so who knows what those those post game speeches were like? If I if I remember correctly, I don't think we saw those. No, uh, I, I think I I I think it's in indisputable that Kevin Stefanski has grown as a head coach yeah. since twenty twenty. I think it's, it's indisputable that he's grown person. in the past year. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so we're seeing we're seeing a different coach in some ways. We talked about that earlier this week. We should play the audio from from Kevin's final seconds of the yes. uh, Hail Mary. I'm gonna, we're going to play that for you right now because it's just so funny. And if you didn't hear it, there's a great chance to hear it. So uh, playing it right now. Here's Flacco looking downfield. Open as oh, Cooper oh, makes the catch oh, and breaks free. Oh, oh. Cooper tiptoes all the way for the touchdown. What just happened? Somebody? You having any fun? How about you? You having fun? This game's fun. Ball's got to go in the end zone here. Five seconds remaining in the game. Throwing deep. Hail Mary. End zone. Deflected. Tipped and intercepted. (laughs) Almost caught. Holy. 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 Pretty funny to hear him just like cussing to himself. Yeah. And saying, what I sounded shit. like. It's exactly what we all sounded like. And I just, <laughs> we're getting so much more of this guy's personality, uh, which comes with winning when you're happy, yeah. you're generally happier. But like, 
again, there was so much pressure on him at portions of the last few years. I understand the way he is, but but getting his, he's got a good dry sense of humor. You and I have talked about his ability to deliver a, a punchline in a way that is pretty damn funny. Like I think that guy behind closed doors is hilarious. Like he's probably really good at, at making a group laugh. Like I, I think that's a hidden part of him, but he also takes his uh, serious element uh, to heart too. And, and he'll, he'll, he'll lock things down. Yeah. Credit to him for, for an incredible season. And actually uh, that really dovetails nicely with the next question, uh, which is, would you rather be the general manager of the Browns or the head coach of the Browns? That's from Ben. I think I would prefer to be the head coach. You know me well enough to know that I love talking scheme and ball and all that. That's where I, I would prefer. That's why we're such a good team, Jake, because I would be the general manager. All right, done. Put in our uh, resumes tomorrow. Uh, to, I don't to think be they're the hiring. You don't think so? <laughs> think they might extend these guys? Maybe. I think we have to go to L.A. we got to be Chargers, Jake, if we want to do this. Oh, God. The next Brandon Staley. <laughs> Can't do that. All right. Anti-Brandon Staley. That's right. Next one's from Mason. He said, imagine a world where the Browns win the Super Bowl. Fun at this time to still have this dream alive. He said, what matchups do you think give them the best shot of getting there, i.e. the playoff hopefuls? Who do you think they match up against best? So I will be honest. I am not afraid of anybody in the AFC. Maybe the Dolphins are the team that I don't want to see because they have some guys who can really burn up man coverage. I think if I ranked teams I didn't want to see, the Dolphins would be at the top because I think the way they play offense is a threat uh, to to some of how the Browns identify their defensive coverage stuff. But I'm not afraid of anybody in the AFC, which is wild. Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, we've always told ourselves these guys are unbeatable. They're not. You know, I would love to see the Browns play the Chiefs right now. I, I not, would be interested too. I not really just would. from the standpoint that I think they have a chance to win. I do. But I'm very curious to see how they would attack them. Me too. I, and I same with the Ravens. The Ravens mm-hmm. are still playing good ball. They're a good team. Yep. Might end up being the one seed here. But I'm not afraid to play those guys. And the Browns aren't afraid of those guys at all either. I'd love to open with Jacksonville if they win that division. Whoever wins the NFC South getting the four seed, sorry, five yeah. seed, and facing off with the four seed from the NFC South would be a great outcome. Real chance exactly. to win a ball game there. Um. But yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not afraid of going to Kansas City. I think it'd be a cool thing to see them compete with those guys down there at Arrowhead. Agreed, agreed. I yeah, I th- I've said for a while now this Browns defense is good enough on its day to give any team in the AFC a game. Yep. And I think the quarterback situation being what it is right now, I don't think any of us think the Flacco is going to turn into one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I also think he's going to give you a chance. I think that that much is clear. And it cannot be overstated how valuable the experience of having been there and done it is. And it really, it that's he has that in buckets. So you put those two things together. I will go into these playoffs, Jake, expecting, not expecting, I shouldn't say expecting, believing that they can go as far as they want to go. Yeah, I'm there too. I'm done capping them. I, I did it for a while, but I'm I'm done doing it. Next question is from Jason. Listen, Jason, I, I respect your, your thought process here, which is very uh, jumpy. I'm, we're not going to skip the barbecue on the 4th of July. Come back to us with that one in the offseason. Yeah, hit us maybe in the, like, the summer because I can't even imagine what a hot dog looks like right now. It's yeah. December 19th. I can because my kids will only eat hot dogs at times. <laughs> can't get them to eat anything else. But uh, I, I think we're going to hold off on the barbecue. But your second question is really fun. He said, if you were stranded on an island, which three current or former Browns players would you like to be stuck with the most or least? Don't forget that things could get dot, 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 the ellipsis there. Violent. Yeah, it's very foreboding. 
this it's question. Very foreboding, Jason. All right. Uh, I, I think we should just do three current. Let's not do the yep, former. Agreed. Open yourself up into the weeds. I'm taking Nick. Sure. He, he's not. He's going to be very practical. He's going to be. He's not going to be very entertaining, but he's just going to work. He's just going to do the jobs we all have to do without complaining. He's going to. He's going to spear some fish. He's going to do his thing, and we're going to survive with Nick. It's going to be great. I'll open up to you for the second one. We're just going to do three between the two of us. So who's oh, your okay, guy? Okay, yeah. Well, Miles we're, Garrett. We'll do sure. four. We'll do four. I'll, so I'll we take Miles to. Garrett. Okay. What's your reasoning? I think he probably could swim from the island to wherever land is, no matter how <laughs> far it is, and save us. Oh, that's a good one. Didn't think of that one. Um, <laughs> I would also say he has a plethora of, of just knowledge. I feel conversations. Oh, 100%. Yeah, anywhere. no, it, he, he's a very good hang. Yeah. And also there's a chance that he somehow uses his freakish athletic ability to save all of us. So, yeah. But no, yes, a, a good dude. And I think somebody that I would, yeah, I would definitely, I would love to sit down and have a, a meal or a beer with Miles Garrett. Yeah, he'd be fun. And then also a... uh a guy I don't think is a he doesn't seem like the killing type. Um, the next one is so it starts to get a little bit more interesting. You, you're, I'm looking for people that I'm entertained by, um, that, that that are that just have good conversation, can be kind of funny but not not annoying. I lean to JOK. I think he'd be a really fun uh, person to be mm-hmm. stuck on an island with. A lot of deep mm-hmm. conversation, also just a good working attitude could could yep. do the jobs do the things and um you know I, again i i think that, that he wouldn't get violent either i don't think he's a vegan too so an extra share of meat for everybody bingo you nailed that any other players you would want you know get one more if you want to uh, i i mean i think somebody's got to say joel batonio here just just seems like a genuinely good dude and would be i think pretty resourceful and motivated to to find a way out of our predicament you don't think food would be low? Joel would be standing over top of you, staring at you as you sleep. <laughs> well, I, you know, he's he's towards the end of his career. At the point that we're stuck on the island, I think he's probably going to make the Joe Thomas transformation. So he needs to be intermittently fasting anyway. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, do you do you think Joel when he gets done because he's t- he's dealing with the back and you know, Joel's getting older. Is. This is the first time. Do you think he's going to do the Joe Thomas diet and come I, back like 180 I, pounds? I'm not trying to put any pressure on Joel. Whatever weight he wants to be at is fine by me, but I think he knows Joe Thomas well enough to see what it has done for Joe, and yeah. I, I could see him taking that lead. Joel Joel is uh, entertaining as hell. I could see him do it. He, he probably won't, but he'd be funny in media relations stuff. Would, uh, would really enjoy that. Uh, all right. Last question here for the day is if you could pick three, we're changing it from five to three, Chris. It's a good question, but we don't, five is too many. If you could pick three players to be completely healthy right now, who would they be? So he said they'd be on IR. Uh, they'd be off the IR right now. So, you know, if you don't pick Deshaun, then Flacco would be the quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, you get three players uh, to bring back. I'll give you my three. All right. Well, okay. I'm, I'm going to say Nick. It's mm-hmm. quite obvious. It's the mm-hmm. position group that I think is needing it the most. Yep. I'm going to bring back Grant because I think he's, uh, I know D'Anthony had a nice job. Him and Deron Harmon filled in well, but Grant is um, a big part of the defense in a very, very, very important way. And then I think I would bring back Jack Conklin because the tackle situation needs it. And he's got experience playing either side if they wanted him to. So I would, I would go that route. Yeah. It's boy. If you wanted to kickstart 
an argument about the quarterback position, what you just said doesn't, frankly, <laughs> because you named three players and didn't name the guy they're paying two hundred and thirty million dollars guaranteed to. So, uh, yeah, I probably something to should. stew on there, Jig. Yeah, well, you know, I I'm yeah. not disagreeing. I'm just saying it really sets the table for that conversation in the off season nicely. Um, now I feel I, bad. I, I, it just didn't <laughs> seem like the most logical thing to me. Yeah. I, I, again, I don't disagree. Uh, yeah, Nick, the, 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 the main point I would agree with is that Nick Chubb is the first choice bar none. Yeah. Because I think his presence alone has been elevating this running game for years. I think that's obvious now. And that matters. That matters. The the yep. way that this game against the Bears, for example, looks if they have a functional running game and can occasionally be in third, second and third and short, it, it changes the face of that game completely because of how many times they were in obvious drop back situations. So Nick Chubb is is definitely the answer ahead of anybody else. I would I would take Watson back because as much as I've enjoyed the Joe Flacco experience and I'm happy that this is where we are, it's a continues to be a surreal dreamlike experience watching Joe Flacco lead the Browns to wins. But I, I think the Watson that we saw in the second half in Baltimore is better than what Joe Flacco has been doing. You mentioned the turnovers earlier. It's a real issue. And it, it I said the other day that we, they got away with it against the Bears. It has the potential to capsize any game they play from here on out because he just cannot stop throwing the ball to the other team. So Watson, from a turnover avoidance perspective alone, would improve the team. And I think the conversation between Conklin and Wills is really interesting. You definitely need a tackle back as the third guy. I, I'm okay with the defense making do without Grant. I would take a tackle over Grant in that third spot. And I think it's an interesting conversation between Wills and Conklin. I would take Wills, I think. There's so many ways to go with this. It's it's certainly, to me, I'm looking at positions that uh, need improvement. I'm, I'm trying, trying to be like, like jump over, leave some bounds over the other sure. people. So, yeah. um, you know, it's a, it's a bit, it's a bit tricky, you know, I so want Wills I, back because I want that left side lockdown. I want, I want Wills, Betonio, Posich, assuming Betonio and Posich come back this week. And I, I want, at least you've got one side of the ball you can run behind. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I think either, either of those tackles are, a fine way to go. We didn't even see much of Jack. Jack was hurt so fast this season that you didn't I, see much of him. It even almost just feels like it's over for him. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. A lot of time to heal. He, he I mean, yeah. they they yeah. got him here no matter what. So let's hope they can find some rule for him. At least, I mean, the depth needs to be, again, you're tying it into the whole depth thing here. But, but yeah, there's so many ways you can go. Watson makes a lot of sense too. I think, you know, Flacco is a way of erasing some things that he did, right? So, um, that's a, that's a huge part of it, but, but I guess it, it's sort of a, a recency thing of how you feel about the quarterback position as like, Oh, it's, it was so bad at the, the, the middle portions of the season. Now it's, Oh, they got a quarterback that can do these things late in the game, right? It's just an interesting mind exercise to go through that, but a lot of different ways you can go. If you expand it to five, obviously you're taking Watson in a heartbeat. So uh, yeah. there's no doubt about that, but yeah, a lot of names to choose from, man. They've been really beat up this year. But that's the pod. We did we did a ton of questions. You guys asked some great questions. Uh, if you have any questions further on what we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast, the direction of where this thing is going, uh, open to conversations about that. And uh, obviously, if you decide to support the show through this a little immediate Venmo endeavor or Cash App or whatever, we obviously 
very much appreciate that. So I uh, just want to be clear about that uh, as we have not really done anything formally here with a subscription or anything. Uh, so uh, that's Evan again, shout out to Evan for being very kind, generous with this, uh, with that uh, opportunity. Right. Um, and uh, you guys, if you decide to do that, that obviously every penny counts and we appreciate it very much. So uh, we'll discuss more about that in the coming weeks, but for now, great film room. Appreciate you guys rating, reviewing the podcast, getting people to finding it. And I think like by now, a lot of Browns fans have found it. We have a great community here and that's a huge credit to you guys for doing that. So really greatly appreciate that. Thanks to Andrew for his time. Thanks to you guys for carving out some time in your day to find this podcast as well. We will check back in with you with Jordan Zerm. We're going to do some playoff uh, look aheads here. We're going to get to the AFC this week. So should get the three of us back together to do that. It'll be a fun pod for your Thursdays. Thanks for stopping by for the mailbag edition. We appreciate that guys again and go Browns. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.